Welcome to episode 24 of the Dudes Baking Dudes podcast. This is not a podcast about the ecology of feral parrots, nor is, is it a podcast about unusual dumpling recipes. This is a podcast about dudes that are spanking dudes and dudes that are being spanked by other dudes. And this podcast is hosted by two dudes. Hi, I'm JR. All right, JR, this is Scott, also known as Red Spank Scott. Welcome to the podcast, JR. Thank you. And uh, podcast regulars may know JR by a different name, and that name is Boss Man. I've gotten Boss Man to come onto the podcast. Uh, for those who listen, uh, I bought him for Boss Man. Boss Man beats my ass and beats it hard. I uh, He actually uh, broke a paddle on my ass just last weekend, and it was fun, wasn't it? It was, although to be fair, it was a very small paddle. <laughs> but it stung. Um, that's actually the first time a pod. I, I think that's the first time a paddle has been broken on my ass. So, uh, so anyway, welcome to the podcast, Jr. Uh, tell everyone a little bit about your background in the spanking community. Oh, let's see. I uh, spanking was my first kink, uh, and that started about twenty-five years ago uh, here in Los Angeles uh, at, at the Moonburn parties way back. And uh, since then, things have morphed into lots of other kinks, but I still love spanking also. Yeah, and um, thank you very much for coming on. I've been trying to get him on for years, and he, uh, JR, just happens to work perfectly with a couple of topics that have uh, come up, particularly something that I have been messaged about for our fantasy section. So it's great to have you here. Um, a couple pieces of business before we get into the main parts of the podcast. Um, for our next episode, I hear a lot from both. I hear a lot from straight guys who are into spanking with other dudes and people who want to hear more about straight guys who are into spanking with other dudes. And it just so happens at Moonburn, uh, Moonburn has become an official threshold event. Threshold is the name of the club uh, that Moonburn uh takes place at and we now have because we're now an official event at threshold there's a, a member of threshold who comes and uh just kind of keeps track keeps an eye on the event to see if we have any needs and kind of serves as an additional host um and he is a straight dude who is into spanking with other dudes uh and so i asked him if he's willing to come onto the podcast and he said yes so the next podcast episode, we will have him on talking about straight dudes into spanking dudes um, or being spanked by other dudes. So if you have any questions uh, about uh, spanking with straight dudes, send them to me. Um, send them to me uh, at uh, on uh, spankethishookups at redspkscott or on Recon or Tumblr or Scruff at Red Spank Scott. And we will uh, talk to him about that. It'll be great. It's finally, it's like the number one thing that I hear about is people who want to know about why there are straight guys out there who are into spanking with other guys. Um, and then the other thing to mention, to remind, um, Badass Weekend is coming up uh, October 17th through 20th www.bawevent.com I just had the the hosts of that show on uh, host of that weekend on in the last podcast episode 23 it's uh, essentially official I mentioned again because it's essentially official now I'm going to be giving a sort of a seminar session about bully fantasies and bully spanking play so if you're interested in that um, I, I actually need to start working on that so um, with that, uh, let's get into the real dudes, spanking real dudes. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to get JR on here is because JR is a member and, uh, and, and holds an office in the Avatar uh, organization, um, which has been around for 35 years uh, and is heavily involved with um, BDSM education in, uh, for men in the Los Angeles community. So, um, so the first half of this episode, real dudes spanking real dudes. We're going to focus on the value of organizational structures in the fetish S and M and spanking community, where they've been, where they're going, and you know what sort of adjustments are being made as we see millennials 
coming into the S&M scene and putting their own stamp on it. So uh, to start with GR, explain to us a little bit about what the Avatar organization is. So Avatar started in Los Angeles in 1983. And uh, if you remember back to 1983 or think back to what was happening then, it was it was one of the really horrible points of the AIDS crisis where yes. the, the virus had been discovered. We had some idea of what was causing this plague, but but little idea what to do about it. There were no treatments. There was certainly no cocktail. So people were dying from having sex, basically. And people needed to know how to have sex and not die. So Avatar uh, was created as a an educational organization and a social fraternity um, focused around safe BDSM. Because what we did know at that time was that HIV was transmitted through fluid exchange. And BDSM offered a way to express ourselves erotically without, uh, without fluid exchange. So there were ways to have safe um, erotic experiences. Um, that said, BDSM also carries its own set of risks, depending on what sort of activities you're doing. So there needed to also be education around how to have safe and hot BDSM. Uh, and so Avatar was created as, a, as an avenue to explore that and to convey that information and educate people around that. Yeah, so, so they do training classes and all sorts of interesting sessions. And um, uh, JR actually teaches, uh, along with Sydney, who, is, uh, who folks may remember from previous episodes of the podcast, who has recently joined Avatar as well. Um, they teach uh, spanking classes for people who are interested in, and uh, just a couple weeks ago, I was the volunteer bottom uh, for JR uh, to teach uh, to teach people who came to these classes how to give and take spankings and various safety and, and communication issues involved, and it was very interesting. So how did you become a member of Avatar? So I'd go back even a little further than that. My my first um, experience in the BDSM community was a friend introduced me to a friend. Um, they took me to the Gauntlet 2 bar, which is now the Eagle Bar in Los Angeles. Um, and then I found my way to Moonburn a few years later. But all along, as I was just sort of coming into the, the leather slash kink community in Los Angeles – I kept seeing these guys in the blue avatar shirts with the patch or the vest with the, the big avatar patch on it. Um, and, you know, so I, I learned about the club a little bit through talking to those guys. And one of the one of the founders of Moonburn, Glenn, was also a member of Avatar at that time. He's passed on since then. Um, but Avatar at, at that time was everywhere in L.A., uh, in the in the leather community, so you'd you'd see the guys at the bars, at the moonburn parties, um, and you know occasionally I would go to their programs. Eventually, I got into a long relationship which didn't have a lot of kink in it, so I kind of uh, fell away for a while. And then uh, back in the mid 2000s, that relationship ended, and I came came back full force into the into the kink community and joined Avatar. Emphasis on force. <laughs> Jared's a great top. Uh, he's a great top if you're just learning, and he's also a great top if you want a real intense session. Um, Sydney and I uh, both bought him for him, for him, and he torments the heck of a heck out of us. And uh, Jr. introduced me to both flogging, which was like something I didn't realize was had its own kind well at first didn't kind of realize how flogging was significantly different from spanking um and also introduced me to some impact play stuff is which is where you you know things like face slapping and uh i guess uh, chest thumping and, and things like that and i've really grown to like that as well so so what other kinds of kinks are you interested in and how did avatar kind of help you introduce you to those well, it's great that you mentioned those two because what I've what I've discovered since then is that all those kinds of impact, whether it's spanking or flogging or punching um, or other things, they they all have kind of similar physiological effects. So you can you can get kind of that high that you get from a good spanking. You can 
get different versions of that from all these things. So um, in Avatar, I, I learned how to flog, for example. I tried it out. Um, I loved it. I wanted to learn how to do it. Um, and my good friend Mike in Avatar ultimately is the guy who really taught me how to give a flogging. Um, and yeah, and the, the face slapping thing, I didn't even know. It was like something out of curiosity. And so I just kind of asked um, asked you at one point at, uh, at a Moomba party, hey, and I like dragged him to the back room. Could you slap my face? <laughs> he yeah. did. And I discovered that I really, really liked it. And part of it is funny. And I think I, I, I don't think I've talked about this too much in the podcast, but it kind of relates to um, bully play. And there was a, a the in our very very first episode of the podcast, um, Brian and I, the the co-creator of the podcast, were talking about our favorite spanking video, which was, uh, which is called Lunch Money, and it was very sort of a very much a bully bully spanking with some poor innocent guy, and that's why we liked it. Um, and it starts off with him slapping the guy in the face, and it was just like, oh, that was kind of hot, and so that's kind of why I was started thinking about it. Um, and it creates, it does, it creates this interesting endorphin reaction that I really, really liked. And part of it is, um, so, so JR, I've talked about this on the podcast, JR gets this wonderful grin on his face, this, this, this evil smirk when he's topping and it's a huge turn on. Um, and so when we do this slapping, this other kind of impact play, I can more easily see JR's facial expression and it creates this sort of interesting connection. So this is, is making is causing you know the impact is causing an endorphin high, and also seeing this connection with Jr. and seeing Jr. enjoy himself, it just kind of creates this feedback loop. Um. So, <laughs> so yeah, and and Jr. and of course then my reactions, of course, or, or the bottoms reactions feed you know, JR, right? It creates a loop for you as well, right? Oh, totally. Absolutely. Yeah, and so it, it's just just this wonderful sort of experience. It, it creates this this sort of... It creates it definitely creates a nice bond between bottom and top that I don't get from... Um, one of the reasons I don't do the daddy-boy scenes and the discipline scenes is I don't get that kind of bond from doing that kind of play. And so finding all of this has been like a great experience for me in discovering my bottom side. So um, let's talk about the importance of organizations like Avatar. What, what do they provide for, for the, the community, particularly guys who are into spanking, but also in general? Well, so it's, you know, in recent years, it's gotten so much easier to find somebody to mess around with on the apps and the websites. And that's great. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. No, no question about it. But the the more you want to do um, interesting things, the more you want to explore BDSM or ask somebody to hit you, uh, the the less useful some of those apps are, because now you're you're talking about doing things where you have to have a certain level of trust and confidence in the other person. Um, you know, you're not just going to screw around and make out. Uh, or whatever, it's you know you're asking them to hit you or to tie you up or or beat you with a flogger, whatever it is. And so what the organizations can provide is a group of people who are known and to some extent maybe vetted um, people you can reputation check right on the spot, right? Like if you're right. if you're at a, a an avatar night at the local bar um, and somebody is you see somebody who's carrying a flogger, you can check that person's reputation on the spot by asking, a, you know, a few other people. Probably you have a friend who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows that guy. Right. Um, and other people in the organization know them. And, and just by the very fact that they're in the organization, you know that they've been, uh, you know, checked out a little bit at least. So so the, the more um, – I don't want to say extreme, but the, the more interesting your fantasies get, probably the more important it is to to be doing them with somebody that you trust and have some some confidence in. And that's that's what the organizations can provide. And not just trust, but introductions. Like uh, if you're interested in electricity play, but you don't know who to talk to, um, 
Well, at Avatar, we do, right? So if you're interested in flogging or whipping, we've got people who do that. If it's breath play, we've got people who do that. Yeah, it is very common. I mean, and of course, this has always been true among the gay community, particularly, you know, going back at the time where the our modern BDSM community started and leather community started to develop. It was common for more experienced people, more experienced men to help introduce you to these cultures. Um, it happened with me. I was brought to in, you know, in 2004, um, a top uh, brought me to Moonburn for the first time um, when I had come out to LA for the first time. And, um, but the thing that has happened with the internet is um, there are a couple of really interesting cultural things that have been largely good, very, very good developments for gay people, gay men, gay women, just gay people, LGBT people at large, um, but, also, but also create new challenges. First, of course, is the increased acceptance of LGBT people across the country. That means that um, people scattered, you know, gay, gay men who are scattered uh, throughout the country no longer have the need to pick up, you know, pick up and move to cities to find, uh, to feel comfortable living as themselves. So, so if you're 20 something, you don't need to make this pilgrimage to San Francisco or Los Angeles or Atlanta or New York City to, to live as yourself. And then the other thing that you mentioned, the internet, of course, has become it, has made it very, very easy to find other people where, you know, in the past we would have to place, I remember, you know, placing, having to place advertisements in like gay newspapers when I was living in Orlando, trying to find, and St. Louis, trying to find other people who were into spanking. And it was really, really hard. Um, but the, the downside, of course, is, um, it, it's created this, this fracture, so to speak. I, I guess you, you can tell me how, how you see it as well as being part of this community. Um, so I went to Avatar. They had a 35th anniversary um, event dinner that I that uh, that JR, JR invited me to that I attended. And the crowd skewed pretty older I mean I don't know the senior I don't know if the most diplomatic way to say that but but you and I who are both of us are the same age and we are in our late 40s uh, we skewed on the younger side of that group would you say I, I would say that's accurate and we we do have um, we do have younger members we have members in their 20s and 30s um, but but that is not the median. You know, the, the median, you're right, is probably in the upper 40s like us. Um, and that, you know, a number of our members have been members for a very long time. So part of what you're seeing is is the carrying forward of, of that original generation of, uh, of members. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 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 what kind of challenge does that create now? So I mentioned at the start of this podcast episode um, we're seeing what I'm seeing in the podcast, which is kind of surprised me since I've started the podcast, is I hear from so many young guys, you know, in their 20s, millennials, well, not just millennials, and millennials are now in their, you know, getting into their 30s, but, you know, the generation after millennials, whatever we're calling, I don't think we have a name for them yet, Gen Z, whoever they're going to be, um, who are just completely new to this, um, are in these environments where they're comfortable being gay, but they don't know how to connect to the kink community. There might not be, a, you know, I helped a guy, you know, through Spank This, I helped a young man in Kansas connect with a young man in Iowa or Nebraska. I can't even remember, but, you know, uh, but they're in these communities where they're just like, um, they want to find people to play with. You know, it is hard to kind of, you know, make it to these larger communities if they don't need to, um, and is you know no longer a necessary part of being a gay person to live in a city. How do you you know how does an organization like Avatar adapt to what millennials and these younger people they're 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 interested in S and M, but they have a very different outlook. So so how do we make adjustments for for who who's coming into the S and M community? Well, the, the first thing I would say about Avatar, and, and this is different for different clubs. By the way, uh, 
just to go off on a little bit of a tangent, um, every major city has some kind of leather or kink organization in it. Uh, so whether it's Los Angeles or San Francisco or Seattle or Dallas, um, you know, or Washington DC or Atlanta, all of these cities have clubs generally like Avatar. So wherever you are, there's there's probably one closer than you think uh, that that you can hook up with. So this is uh, this is not only about Avatar. So now returning to your to your question, um, speaking only for Avatar because I just can't speak for all those other clubs. We're not a club that you would join necessarily or come to interact with because you want to play with all the members. Right. What we are is a club where all the members have something you can learn from, and I include myself in people who can learn. I, I'm constantly learning from our other members, um, whether or not I necessarily want to play with them. So the what I would – how I would hold the clubs as a, as a younger person is I wouldn't advertise the clubs as a place to go to find partners among the members. But what they are is uh, is like kind of like you just described the podcast. They're clearing houses for information and for people, right? So the the people who come to Avatar events are definitely all ages and all interests. Um, there are women who come to Avatar events to our, our public events. So it's it's definitely not a sort of a um, a one note crowd. Um, we're, we're definitely a uh, sort of an, an open forum and a clearinghouse where people of all kinds and backgrounds uh, come together to learn more and to meet each other. And that's something that we have been losing um, in other public spaces as a result of the Internet. So we know that gay bars are closing down right and left around the country, um, and we especially know that leather bars and those that catered to a, a kinky community – are either closing or or becoming really general interest because they have to to survive. And so the events produced by a club like Avatar are a place where there's still, um, you know, this this critical mass of kinky people right. coming together to talk about kinky things. And so it's not that you're going to come to Avatar and meet 40 people to play with, but you might come to Avatar and meet two or three Right. Yeah. What what's become very, very, very clear to me over the past few years of doing this is that so the SM community, the BDSM community, the leather community isn't getting any smaller. It's just like the way that people are interacting are changing. Millennials have I mean, I I I, I am not anti millennial by any way, shape or form. Um I'm, I'm not that kind of Gen Xer. Unfortunately, there are. There certainly are baby boomers who are that way. But, like, millennials are very clearly developing their own culture. That includes BDSM culture and leather culture. And that doesn't mean they're not into BDSM. It doesn't mean they're not into leather. But you see this tremendous growth of puppy play for example and that has become sort of a leather uniform for millennials as opposed to the biker culture uh, and police culture that heavily influenced uh, the baby boomer leather and S&M identity so so is there is there sort of an issue here or how do we bridge between those cultures well, I, uh, I would say first off that Avatar is totally uh, welcoming of, of all of these things. So Avatar is not an organization de dedicated to black motorcycle leather from the 50s. Right. Uh, things sort of started there, absolutely. Um, but today, is, as you said, we have um, – you know there's an explosion of puppies around the country, and we love that. Um, there's superhero fetish. There's furries. So, you know, all of these fetish communities are, are welcome uh, at our events and and at most events. I mean, I yeah, I've, I've not seen an event that, that doesn't like having puppies there. Absolutely. So come as you are. I mean, Avatar is, is about freedom of sexual expression. And so whatever that looks like on you is is what we want to promote and make welcome. 
Yeah, because I like one of the things that I notice that kind of frustrates me is when I see you know older the the leathermen who come from that biker scene who are like the leather scene is dying, and I look at that and I'm like no, it's just it's not the leather scene that you grew into. It's morphing and changing, and in order for organizations, S and M organizations, spanking organizations, in order for them to move forward, they really kind of need to see that, see that it's not, you know, the, the millennials, I think there's actually, I honestly think that there's a dramatic increase in the number of people, you know, S&M uh, interested millennials as compared to, as compared to Gen Xers. But then again, X, Gen Xers are a smaller generation than millennials. So it, it may just be, uh, it just may be statistics, but like, I've just kind of, and, and it may just be observational bias as we're reaching we're reaching prime daddy age, uh, and so suddenly I'm getting I joke about it I am getting inundated with guys in their twenties who want to play with me, and it's just like like where were you when I was in my twenties? <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 totally here for the age of the daddy. I'm I'm ready for it. <laughs> um, but there will I mean there will the the particulars of fetish will change from generation to generation that's one thing we're we're totally coming to understand now but there will uh, because people always want to police each other there will always be forbidden sexual expression and that's really what we're what we're about here yeah yeah so i i try to be very you know i try to be very friendly to all of these interesting new fetishes that are coming up i like um Brian, who who I co-founded the podcast with, uh, is is also a furry, and so I kind of like pay attention to you know try to be very positive about furry culture. Um, there is actually a lot of interest in in S and M activity within the furry scene. So there's this there's this significant overlap, and I've seen like I was like, and, and part of it is because like um, and I've talked about this how like cartoons, childhood cartoons. Like had spankings in them, as like and you know and they did you know you, they had these animals. Like I was introduced to spanking from Tom and Jerry cartoons, you know. So so you know so you see millennials watch you know all of this stuff when they were younger, and so once you start looking at that, you know, furry culture makes a lot of sense. Superhero culture makes a lot of sense. I discovered that I was gay from X Men comic books because Colossus had a great ass. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting to see how it all it all um, develops into these new things. So 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 why should you know what should to both our older folks and our younger folks? Where do you see these organizations like Avatar uh, continuing to be part of the Spaker community and the S and M community? Um, like 10 years down the line. Oh, by the way, I should mention to our podcast that based on, you know, I had been thinking about it for a while. Um, Sydney joined, um, and, you know, I've known JR for several years. I've known Sydney for several years. They're two of my closest friends in the community. So I finally decided that maybe I should join Avatar. So I'm kind of starting that process, if, if they'll have me. So I am going to be joining Avatar. So, so, so where do you see organizations like Avatar in the future? So I think Avatar and, and similar organizations definitely have an ongoing role. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't be spending uh, so much of my time working with them and participating with them. And I think it, it comes back to that clearinghouse. Like no matter, no matter how easy you make it to meet someone on an app, I'm not just going to sign up and have that person hit me, right? And I, right. I, don't, I don't expect them to do the same. And so I, I know Scott that one of the one of the things that you do is you you prefer to meet someone new for the first time at a Moonburn meeting, right? Um, and I do the same thing. Like if if I am chatting with someone online, usually my first thing, depending on what their kink is, will be to say, "Hey, Moonburn's coming up in a in a couple of weeks, or there's an Avatar program coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, why don't you come by and we'll we'll see each other and and we'll go from there." Um, so I, I think we will, we will, because we're talking about forbidden sexual expression and not just sucking dick at home, um, we're going to always in this, uh, in this area, we're, we're always going to need a safe space to, to meet people. 
and to figure out what we're about and, and if we have something that we're going to do with each other. So there will, there will totally be um, an ongoing need for that. And, you know, we don't, we don't know what's next, right? Like right. in 1983 or in 1980, we didn't know that HIV was next and Avatar was formed as a, as a response to that. So we will always need a, a source of organization in the community and a source of strength and a source of responding to problems. Um, and HIV today is not the, the problem that it was in 1983, um, but there are certainly dark clouds on the horizon in lots of ways right now. So, so that does make me think about you had mentioned earlier that you were also in the process of learning. And that was probably true for, you know, when we talk about these millennials coming up for these these more established experienced people in these organizations. So there is – is there a place in Avatar for – you talked about Avatar as an educational organization. Is there a place for – uh, someone into puppy play, a furry, you know, someone someone who's part of the furry culture, you know, or someone who's into these these super superhero games, to become part of Avatar and play a role in educating others sure. about what. Sure, absolutely. We have we have puppies and superheroes uh, in Avatar. Um, I don't know if we have any furries, but they're welcome. I'm I'm totally here for it. Uh, in fact, I think your furry spanking furries podcast needs to be on video because I want to see it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, we're we're uh, Avatar is totally open for that, and I can't speak for the other clubs around the country, but um, I'm I'm pretty sure at a guess that that most of them um, feel the same way. Yeah, okay, um, so with that, if you you know, um, Avatar does have a Facebook presence, right? If people want to look it up, yes, we're we're on Facebook. Uh, search for Avatar Club Los Angeles um, or AvatarLA.org on the internet. Yeah, so so people can learn more about going there. Um, if they have any questions, um, they can send them my way, and I can direct them to you or to anyone at Avatar. Um, so so yeah, I've been really really thinking about knowing, noticing these these culture changes in the S and M community, and wondering where these organizations are, are going to fit in and where they're going to go next. So, but uh, thank you very much. With that, we will wrap up the Dudes Spaking Dudes. And this really, uh, the real Dudes Spaking Real Dudes segment, and this really perfectly segues into the fantasy life of, of Spaking section because we're talking a lot about forbidden and, you know, and, and learning about how to play um, safely with other people. Um, and so in the fantasy life respect uh, section, um, I, I want to talk about uh, inspired by uh, some communications I had with a young man on Scruff who is is 21. I'm going to be very careful about, you know, I don't want to release his identity, um, who is very, very interesting in spa very interested in spaking as a top and new to the scene and has not played. And the reason why he hasn't done anything yet is uh, the inspiration for this section. Um, uh, so JR, you, you openly identify as a sadist, right? Yes, I totally love hurting guys. Yeah, yeah. So you and love the people. I kind of like, and that's why, and that's one of the reasons why we connect so well um, as, as a bottom, because I'm not, because I'm not interested into the daddy and the discipline stuff. I like bullies, which means that I like sadistic guys. I really, really enjoy JR uh, getting sadistic with me. So uh, this gentleman who contacted me who uh, wants to be a top and wants to spank people is, is, is very clearly also a sadist. And it concerns him because of the fantasies that he's been having. So I just want to read a little bit. Uh, of his, he loves spanking videos. It's what it turns me on the most, but I've never done it. I want to be the top. I want to spake a twink boy to tears, strapped to a bench, real crying and begging. But then I think how messed up that is, and I'm not that type of person. I don't really want to hurt people, but it turns me on um, so much. Is that wrong? I feel like a bad person. And so I kind of a bit corresponded with him a little bit and explained to him, you know, and the, 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 this section is going to be about 
really sadistic fantasies and non fantasies about non-consensual play. Further on, we talked a little bit more, is he doesn't like having this fetish, He's, he tells me, because I like actually hurting another person, and it seems like not the point, maybe I'm wrong, but it's a little sadistic, and I don't want them to like it. I like the idea of real punishment tied up crying twinks, and it really turns me on, and he doesn't like that he does, and he talked about wanting to see a therapist because he doesn't think that's healthy. Um, so in my correspondence to him, and, and we're going to talk about this because we both have, uh, th- you know, really, really sadistic fantasies. I have um, sadistic fantasies as a top, as a bottom. I have fantasies about fantasies about non-consensual play like he's describing. Um, one of my short story series is uh, Aaron's Game revolves around non-consensual spanking um, and sex. And so the big, of course, thing is is that that fantasy doesn't mean that that's actually what you want to do in real life, right? Right. So I, I mean, I would, uh, I would have a few thoughts for your your listener. Um, one is starting off, you're not in charge of what turns you on. Yeah. You didn't wake up one morning and decide that, decide to be turned on by those things. Um, so stop feeling guilty about feeling that way, first off. And if you can't not feel guilty about it as you work through it, there's nothing wrong with seeing a therapist about that. Um, nothing wrong with therapy at all. But I also don't know that the therapist is going to change that. What they might help you with is not feeling guilty about it. Yeah. So, so one one of the purpose, one of the reasons that I've made sure that we have try to have these sections about fantasies on the podcast as much as I possibly can is their role in helping you figure out, you know, getting in touch with that side of yourself and then making the connection between your fantasies. And what really happens. So when we talk about non-consensual fantasies, I'm going to drift away from spanking a little bit and talk about rape fantasies. Rape fantasies are actually very, very common um, among men and women. And so something you'll see sometimes, or I particularly see, partly because I follow a lot of uh, sex researchers and sex workers online on Twitter, um, is that there are people who think that because like men fantasize about rape, the fantasies themselves are what's causing rape. And they blame, you know, men for having these fantasies about rape. And the funny thing is I follow a lot of women experts in sex research and who are into S and M play and these sort of things. And they try to point you know, and it's always women who have these attitudes about men who have rape fantasies. And so these women come in there and say try to explain to them that women also have fantasies about rape and about being raped. And to be clear, the rape fantasy does not mean that the women want to be raped. It does not mean that men want to rape them if they're having fantasies about rape. They're very complicated. We don't treat our dreams as literal expressions of what we want. Absolutely. And you, you know who I blame for rape is rapists. Yeah. Rape is, yeah. So rape is about, you know, every, you know, people say that rape isn't about sex. It's about control. It's about power. It is actually, it is about sadism in a certain way, but it's about, it's about forcing it onto someone. Um, people who actually fantasize about rape, I'll be honest here. I fit as a bottom, I fantasize about being raped. Um, it does not mean that I want to be raped. And, you know, over time, I've come to realize it's partly related to my, my general ambivalence about sexual activity, like uh, like JR mentioned earlier about how Avatar's origins were about AIDS. You know, I grew up, we're the same age. You know, we both lived through this. And it's created, it created a very, very deep, internalized fear of actual sexual practice. That, you know, that I'm very aware of, I, you know, and I, I'm very conscious of it. And so the rape fantasies I came to realize were just sort of like me um, coming up with ideas in my head, much like we use fantasies to help us let go uh, and be a spanking bottom and allow and to endure the pain. Like the rape fantasies were about letting go. 
and letting someone else have sex with me, you know, letting someone force themselves on me so I can let go of this fear that I developed from being a teenager during the worst part of the AIDS crisis. It doesn't mean I want to be raped. And so, like you said, uh, in, in or like our, our friend said in this message, you fantasize about really, really hurting people. Guess what? Young bottoms have the exact opposite fantasy that, that you described in your messages to me. And, and uh, JR and I could both talk about the kinds of messages we get from newcomers who, who want that experience. We're like, wait a minute. <laughs> when you're new to this, you may think that your fantasies are what you have to live out, right? I mean, you've, you've, I'm sure you've gotten messages like I did. Would you tie me up and, and beat me till I'm bawling? Yeah, they're all no limit bottoms until the first time it hits. Yes, I was. I had those same fit. I had the opposite fantasies when I was in my early twenties. Then I went and got my first baking as an adult, and realized that oh my god, this really, really, really hurts. This really hurts, and it's particularly you know it's going to be an experience that's going to be really new for a lot of millennials and younger because baking has really fallen out of practice as a form of discipline for in a lot of families these days um, there are a lot of guys who are into spanking who did not grow up being spanked <laughs> surprise it really really hurts yeah yeah and that's something you yeah so so to your point like the the fantasy is not the thing that's going to happen right and and that's something your listener needs to understand for the, the first time that he goes and has a scene. So, you know, he's, he's worried. He's, he feels guilty about, about wanting these things. And so I would ask him to distinguish between what he's fantasizing about in his mind and what is actually going to happen the first time he hooks up with someone. He's, he's not going to find someone and non-consensually tie them up and, and beat them. He's going to find somebody who wants that experience right? and wants him to do that. And it's going to be a consensual act between them. And hopefully he'll moderate himself a little bit too. Yeah. And so, so because the good news is because you're worried about what you're going to do when you, you're going to be hopefully be thoughtful about it, do things like, you know, maybe for the first time you meet a person, give give your bottom a safe word. Maybe not tie them up a first time, especially because you're inexperienced. You're going to learn how to give a spanking and practice with, you know, with, with your first bottoms and just listen to them, understand what they say. Maybe find a bottom who does have experience. Um, there, there are actually... One of the things that I've I found very amusing is I'm I'm, I'm still constantly I'm surprised uh, to find bottoms who are inexperienced uh, and younger, but they can take actually quite a bit of punishment. It's just kind of surprised me quite a few times these days, and so now I'm like I'm learning that like oh okay I'll give you more that's fine if you want more um, and to be the big the, the two yeah the, the big thing I would be worried about is like if you didn't. If you weren't worried about your fantasy, that would set off a big red flag. And I do want to kind of be clear, there are men out there, when we talked about rapists, there are men out there who who don't stop and think like that. There are dangerous people who are, you know, sadism is a description of what we, you know, what we do. We are very conscious of what we're doing it. And that's why we're, you know, we're careful. And we have both sides have good experiences because we are very careful about how we do it. Sadism is also a genuinely psychiatric, a genuine psychiatric disorder that can affect people. Um, You know, that's what causes one of those things that causes rape. And there are people out there who will want to try to take advantage of people. I unfortunately know men who have been raped. I have, I, I know men who have had very, very bad um, uh, S&M experiences due to tops that didn't listen. And so the good news is because you're because you're thinking this way, you're not going to you're probably not going to be one of those people as long as you 
um, recognize your fit, the difference between your fantasy and reality. And so what you want to do is go have these experiences. And this is actually what I, what I messaged back to him. Um, and I've tried to communicate with him since then, and I haven't heard back from him. So I'm hoping that he, if he's going to see therapy, he's found a therapist who understands kink and is, is helping him here. Um, the big thing, the big thing I would worry, I would think about is, so if you go and have a spake, go and do spaking with someone who likes it and listen to him and, um, stop when he wants you to stop. So when you have that experience, did you enjoy that? The big thing that I would worry about for this gentleman is, so if you go into a spaking scene, a, a consensual spaking scene with someone, and you afterwards, you don't feel anything. You don't feel like you enjoyed that experience. That's, that's when you kind of need to take stock and, and that's when you need to really talk about, uh, you know, talk with the therapist. But I think what you'll find is you don't have to live out your exact fantasy to enjoy spanking guys. Well, and uh, yeah, you you probably never will live out your exact fantasy because whatever script the other guy has going on in his head probably isn't the same script. Right. So there's, you know, it's it's always going to be a little bit of meeting in the middle. Yeah, one of the very very particular things about spaking as a fetish that's that's a little bit different from a lot of other fetishes and kinks is everyone's particular story and fantasies can, you know, are are based on these very deep internal concepts of of what spaking means to them. Yeah, totally. It, it's uh uh Nobody grows up with a lifelong fantasy of being flogged with a leather flogger, um, but people do grow up very early on in life with some experience, whether whether personal or through the media of of spanking happening. Um, so it's it it comes into us at a very young age. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And um, so I guess in conclusion. Um, your fantasies are very normal for people who are into spanking, um, and they're very common, you know, on the, the reverse fantasy is also very common. And I still, even though I know full well, I still have tons of non-consensual fantasies, especially as a bottom, especially as I've been revisiting my bottom side. And it's important to just recognize that fantasies don't really dictate how you want to play. They just kind of help you come to terms with what you're looking for um, and use them as guides, use them as um, ways to help you understand how you want to interact with SDF culture. Um, but as long as you're willing to respect the needs of the other party, you'll be okay. And you will learn over time that you don't have to live out your fantasy detail for detail to be happy. Exactly. And I'm, I'm going to take this opportunity to make a plug for the earlier part of the program uh -huh. and to say that if, if you have these fantasies that you're struggling with for, for this reason or others, um, there are organizations around the country full of guys who have navigated that. Yeah. And so if um, whether or not you want to have that fantasy or live that fantasy out with the members of that organization, whether it's Avatar or any of the others, whether or not you want to live it out with those guys, they can help you navigate the experience of doing that. Yeah. So is look, it, up, look up your local club. Yeah. Is it like, is it like the current president of Avatar a therapist? He is. He's Ralph Bruno, the recent uh, Mr. International Leather, uh, and he is also a psychotherapist in his uh, private professional life. Yeah, and there are there are databases out there of kink-friendly therapists, but it, it may be difficult if you, again, much like finding organizations, if you don't live in an urban environment. Um, but if you if you have, I'll, I'll put myself out there as usual, and uh, uh, and Jr. probably will as well. If you like this like this this young man are concerned 
about the extent of your fantasies and you're really, really, and they're making you uncomfortable and not making you happy, feel free to send a message to me and I can talk you through them. Because yeah, I was really, when I was young, I don't know about if, if they worried you at all, JR, but when I was young, they really worried me and they were very, like my first real like spanking fantasies that I can remember now when I was a teenager involved a guy, a, a thief breaking into my room in the middle of the night and tying me up and spanking me completely against my will and me crying and begging him to stop and he didn't stop. Um, I don't know if, if your fantasies were anything like that, JR? Uh, I certainly never had that particular one, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> What's your address again? <laughs> I'll give you my house key. No, and it's funny because you do find ways to live it out because I joked about that. And, and Brian, who, um, the co-creator of this podcast... He did kind of do a fantasy scene like that with with another with a fellow spanker, but of course it wasn't as severe and as serious as as my fantasy. But it, it was he said it was hot as heck. If you want to do that, if you want to do that with me, Jr., I'd love it. I have to. I just let me clean the house. And... <laughs> uh, and so that's a that's a good way to wrap it up. And so you'll see, you will eventually find ways to work out real world versions of your fantasies as long as you're willing to make um make concessions to the other parties so uh with that um i will wrap up this podcast episode i really really want to thank you jr for being uh for being on here i've been wanting to have you on here for a while and uh i essentially bribed him by saying that I would join Avatar if you would come on the podcast. Although I would have, I would have joined, I would have joined anyway. Um, and so, if uh, anyone uh, wants to reach out to me with questions uh, about your fantasies, um, and particularly for our straight guests who will be coming on, uh, I am just a reminder. I am on Spank This Hookups as Red SPK Scott. I am on Tumblr Scruff. Um, and Recon and WAPS. Oh, I forgot to plug. Uh, I forgot to plug our friends. Uh, our friends app WAPS. W H A P P Z. Um, I'm on all of those as Red Spank Scott. Um, Gr, how can folks get in touch with you? Uh, I am on most of those same sites. Uh, uh, spank those hookups and Scruff and WAPS and Recon. As J Dog seventy one. That's J D A W G seven one. So um, thanks, and again, J Dog uh, is J R is one of the best tops I know, and um, I'm very, very, very happy to bottom for him. And uh, I can't recommend him enough if you want experiences in any number of S and M activities if you're in the L A area. So uh, with that, we'll wrap up this episode, and we'll catch you all next time. Thanks again for listening to Dudes Spakin' Dudes.